Hello, sister. Hi, sister. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this is going to be a very informal chat with you. Okay. Just in case it wasn't clear, that's my sister. Sister Zoe, as I lovingly refer to her as. And this is an episode on branding and social media. It's working hard, but also getting the right timing for everything. And I kind of snuck in there real quick and I put my cosplays and my art on there and uh, I caught on fire. Not too big of a fire, but like a nice, a nice warm fire. (laughs) She's talking about her experience on a new app called TikTok. As we were preparing for this episode, I couldn't help but think about my social media savvy sister. She's 10 years younger than me and grew up in the era of social media, where pretty much everyone in her generation are experts on it. By the age of 13, she had 14,000 followers on Instagram, which may not seem like that much now, but that was back in 2011. And let's not forget, 13. She was 13. So now at 21, she just jumped onto the new social media platform, TikTok, and is at 50,000 followers in a matter of months. It's like she has the Midas touch with social media. Hi, I'm Darby Masters, and you're listening to I Make a Living. I am an artist. I draw a lot of fandom. So I do a lot of Star Wars. I draw a lot of Marvel. I also am illustrating and writing a comic. I love fantasy. Um, And I sell a lot of my stuff at conventions, a lot of like fan conventions. And I do cosplay and I post that online a lot too as well. And I think that's pretty much sums it up. Okay, so Zoe is an artist, a writer, and a cosplayer. If you're not from her generation, the term cosplay may be new. Essentially, it's just dressing up as your favorite movie or comic book characters. Her area of interest is so niche, so much so that most people don't understand it or have never heard of it. And yet, she's making a living out of it. So Zoe makes most of her money by going to conventions and selling her art. But her online presence, her brand, so to speak, is a huge part of why people love her art. Her personality, her brand, sells her work. Well, okay, would you be able to sell your stuff and would you be as popular as you are if you were not on any of the social media platforms, if you were not your own brand in the way that you are? No. Why? No. Okay. Oh, gosh, no. How? How is that a thing? That's 100% even scary to think about because it's exactly where starving artists came from, that there wasn't social media and it was literally just drawing and like standing out on the street or like having a setup in an art store. It was almost impossible because you weren't able to share any of your stuff. There's no audience. And like, that's why starving artists was a thing because it was true. <laughs> Unless you're really lucky and there was a few that were got really lucky or they would get jobs at like, you know, maybe like animation studios or depending how far back we're talking, you know, painting or whatever. But there's like a significantly less opportunity. I mean, the opportunities now are unbelievable. And like, honestly, we're still in the phase of learning new ways to do it. The Internet's growing and things are growing and we're constantly finding new ways to find success and make a living out of being an artist because we have the Internet and we have technology. We live in a day and age where you can really monetize anything. But a huge part of that is actually creating a fan base of people to support you, developing your brand, which can be quite separate from the thing that you're creating or the business that you're running. Now, it's not necessary to develop yourself as a brand. It's not for everyone. But today's episode will be about how beneficial it can be for your business if that's something that you want. 
So when I think about us, you and I, Mm -hmm. I think about how you're so good at social media. You are your own brand. You've become your own brand. You post and you do stories, you do TikTok, you do whatever, you tweet. I don't know. You do all the things. Yeah. And not to say that I like even in saying that, I feel like I'm 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 sounding so antiquated. I like I have an Instagram account. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> and also like podcasting and like things like that. I mean you you still are using the internet. But like it's hard for me to think about even developing my myself as my own brand because that's just overwhelming. I'm like so focused on my own things, like my own business and creating the things that I'm creating, that the idea of becoming my own brand, quote unquote, like that sounds super overwhelming. But I recognize kind of like what you said, the reason for the internet, the reason for all of these social media platforms is to benefit my business. So how then do I balance wanting to create the things that I create, but then also recognizing the benefit and the necessity of becoming my own brand, investing in that. Well, first off, yeah, I want to say that not using social media is sometimes preferable to people. Why is that? It's hard because your mental health, honestly, and comments and, and or they don't want to constantly be critiqued and judged by strangers online, which obviously is very understandable. And I definitely think that if you didn't want to, that you could still be successful. I just think it's harder without certain tools, but I would never want to like knock someone down because they're not using social media. But if you could, I definitely think it would be smart because why not, you know, use some of the tools that are free and available to you, you know, at your fingertips that you have every day with you. This conversation with Zoe was fun. It definitely made me think. She lives and breathes social media like it's her job, and in a way, it is. But she mainly does it because she loves it. She's found community online. Her sincerity comes across on all her social media platforms, which I guess means she's doing it right. Because being your own brand is simply being you, but on a platform for people to see. I hope you're still here. Me too. I've never been on this side. of fruit over here. Yeah. What the heck? Product dev. I think they're fake fruits too. Are they fake? They're real. Oh. Jeremy. <laughs> Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Very 45 good. 45 seconds. Yes. Sure. Yeah. In trying to come up with more direction for this episode, we decided to talk to Jeremy Bailey, who is the creative director at FreshBooks. So we walked down the full expanse of the offices to the product development department, which, as you can tell, I'd never visited before. On the brand front alone, it's like such a deep topic. Yeah. Like You can definitely glance at it, but you could probably do a whole episode, episode on very, that. very, very deep episode on that. And how people stand out in commoditized Markets, especially in brand, is like again a well, like it's a it's a well-worn path, but it's a good one to go down for folks, because you know the first instinct might be to stand out, just be weird, but that's actually probably not the only, you know, yeah. it's a tactic, maybe not the best strategic one. So I think brand is absolutely the thing, but thinking of it less as visual identity and more as like what I, you know, how you do things in the world differently, like what's different about what you do. Yeah. Would be what I would emphasize. I think that's great. So this conversation on brand was a general one. Jeremy was talking about branding your business. But branding yourself and branding your business have quite a lot of correlations. Is that the question that you need to ask to start your brand? Is like, how am I unique? How to start thinking about your brand? You do need to think. I think, I mean, yeah, who are you? What's different about you in the world okay. is, is a key component of the brand. Like, who, who are you? Yeah. I can definitely... 
This is something I care about a lot. Um, yeah. Right about here. But um, yeah, what are what do you stand for? Is the question I think is most important for a business owner to, okay. to answer. So, um, and in relationship to what would their customer care that they stood for? Yeah. But it does have to be true and authentic to yeah. the self. Um, but let's use an example. Like, I don't know, you're a business owner, right? Mm-hmm. What do you stand for? I guess I stand for wanting to speak truth. So mm-hmm. truth to power, essentially. Okay, great. So, right. So yeah. if I if I asked you to lie, I could you know, not. Yeah. yeah. But that's the basis now of a brand, which is like you know, one where you're always you know you're truth telling, and then maybe the way your graphic identity comes to life is like in black and white, and okay, it's yeah. like bold letters. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. You know, Darby tells the truth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah. You know, why would I choose Darby? Well, because Darby tells the truth, and I care about truth dollars or whatever. Huh. Um, and you'd want, you know, one of the, the rules, of course, of brand is like, if you're for everyone, you're for no one, um, mm. right? So you have to like, you have to draw that line, because you'll attract the people who are for you because they're running away from something else that's not for them, right? Yes, yes, yes so, of course. But if you try and be all things to all people, of course, you're nothing. So what do you stand for? That's the question that Jeremy poses, and he suggests that you narrow down your vision, because he's right. If you cater your message to reach the masses, then you lose the people that might actually resonate with you and your vision. Born to Sweat, that's my brand, and then within Born to Sweat is all the different projects and events and businesses that I run. Okay, so far, everything we've been discussing has been rather ethereal. But when you think about branding and being niche, this is what we're talking about. For me, the word sweat is a really important word. That's Beverly Chang. What's up, guys? My name is Beverly. I'm a health and fitness blogger living in Toronto. Welcome back to my channel. A YouTuber, Instagrammer, fitness coach, blogger. She's covering all her social media bases. And she's a pretty good example of what it's like to make your personal brand your business. She knows herself, she knows her audience, and she keeps it very specific. Being born to sweat. I'm a very sweaty person. I'm like the most sweaty person. And I used to have so much anxiety and be so self-conscious about how much I sweat. I remember I'd walk to class in university and I'd come with like a sweat mustache and like sweat on my back. And I'd sit down. My classmates would be like, why are you so sweaty? And I was like, this is just who I am. And I was just, I was really self-conscious of, about it. And then kind of as I grew older and became more confident in myself, I recognized that being a sweaty person is not something I should be ashamed of. It's something that I should embrace. So the term born to sweat, when I was coming up with that name, it just made sense. It just made sense that we were born to sweat. And that's kind of the message that I want to send to everybody to know that it's okay to have these sort of flaws or things that you might think are flaws when in reality... Everyone has something, and you just should embrace it. So that came from the very beginning that you had this idea of what you wanted your brand to be, how you wanted to present yourself. Has that changed or morphed as you continued on and become popular and have gone and added different channels and diversifying your income? I think it's just gotten stronger for me and just showed me that so many people do have these insecurities. When I get a message from somebody being like, wow, like I sweat a lot too and I was so embarrassed and so ashamed, but seeing you be so confident and proud about it, that's changed for me. Like that's such a big thing for me and it just makes me feel so good to know that I'm having these effects on people who are not feeling 100% confident in who they are. 
Beverly's brand is all about normalizing sweat, being proud of how active and healthy your body is enough to sweat. And she's found an audience, quite a dedicated one, actually. I started out as a health and fitness blogger, and that's kind of branched into a number of other different businesses all within the fitness industry. I run a social media account, my Instagram and my YouTube channel. I run a fitness competition called The Sweat Games. I run my blog, Born to Sweats, and I run an online workout program called 30 Days to Fit. And then I'm running my first retreats called The Ultimate Sweat Away. Everything has to do with sweat. So you have all of these avenues. They're pretty much all connected in some way, shape, or form. And I feel like it's an umbrella of health and fitness. Am I right on that? Yeah, absolutely. I want it all to kind of be Born to Sweat is the big main business. That's my brand. And then within Born to Sweat is all the different projects and events and businesses that I run. Talking to Beverly gives us a bit of insight on how someone can make money off of being a social media influencer. Her streams of revenue can be summed up into three categories. One, her services. Two, affiliate programs. And three, sponsorships. So the first one, her services, encompasses her workout programs, the sweat games, and her fitness retreat. As you can imagine, her social media presence is crucial to building a client base for said services. With Instagram, that is my biggest following. So when I run the sweat games or I run um, any sort of events within Canada or within Toronto, I use Instagram to kind of bring the people out. So I use that as my tool to advertise for it and to connect with people who are interested in coming or thinking about coming. So if I didn't have these social channels, it would be much harder to run a successful business. She's also making money through affiliate programs. In our chat with her, she mentioned that's something she'll invest more time into this year. If you have a large following, there's a decent amount of money to be made via affiliate programs. Say you're a beauty blogger and you recommend a certain hair product. How affiliate programs work is you get a special link to post on your blog and you get a percentage of every purchase for that hair product made through that link. The larger your fan base, the more purchases via that affiliate link, the more money you make. Simple. So I make money through Instagram primarily. That's kind of my biggest source of income. And then I make money also through my blog. In addition to her services and affiliate programs, she also makes money through sponsorships. So I think it was in 2016 that I got my first campaign. It was with Adidas or... I don't know, a backpack company, I can't really remember. And they just offered to pay me a small sum of money for me to post about a race or a backpack that they were promoting. And I said yes. And it was like the first time I had made money off my Instagram. And I felt really good about it because it was in line with exactly what I would share anyway. And then, yeah, from there, more and more partnerships just kept coming in. The larger my following grew and until it I started making more money through Instagram than I was in insurance and then kind of branched off. So wait, were you starting to make money from your Instagram account and from all that before you branched off into doing your own solopreneur thing? Yeah. So I started making money early 2016. And then in 2017, it was more than I made in my insurance job. Yeah. So at which point I was already feeling really burnt out because I was writing blog posts and filming videos and doing all that. So yeah, I started making about as much money from my Instagram account as I was in insurance. And then about that time, I was also feeling very 
overworked and overwhelmed and exhausted. So I said to myself, like, why are you doing both things? You might as well just do one thing that you're obsessed with and that you're in love with and see how that goes. This, this is the part that is mind-blowing. Beverly started making more money from her sponsors on Instagram than she was at her full-time insurance job. It's stories like this that make me think, why am I not doing that? But then I think, I know why. To publicize your life isn't easy. It takes a lot of energy to share your personal life with a fan base. You kind of just have to be open with who are your followers and your readers. Hello, and welcome back to my channel. So I've been asked how the transition is between moving from a full-time job to being self-employed. The first thing that I've noticed, it can be a little bit lonely. The second thing about being self-employed is that there are so many highs and lows, like a roller coaster of emotions. They are with you on the bad days because you want them to know you have bad days. You're you have those issues or things that you're concerned about too and want to share with them. They're with you on the good days. They're with you on your celebrations. When I got engaged, I posted it and it was very exciting to see everybody message me on my Instagram and talk about that. So yeah, when you're your own personal brand, you are just always on no matter what mood or emotion you're in. So what sounds exhausting to me actually does give Beverly quite a lot of energy. She loves it and her followers love her. Because it is personal, do you feel like there are any lines that you don't cross or are there any like boundaries that you wouldn't share with your social media presence? Like how do you define what is good to share and what is not good to share? I pretty much share everything. I'm a very open book. (laughs) That's just who I am. Somebody else is not going to talk like that because they don't feel comfortable, but I feel so comfortable talking about pretty much any subject. So for me, nothing is really off limits. I think it's a positive thing because some things that people want to hear from people who are influencers, who have a big following and who can influence, they have such a profound effect on who the follow them. And so I think when you can talk about subjects that are touchy or maybe a little bit more taboo. So today's video might not be your cup of tea. Let's not pretend that this just doesn't exist. It does exist, which is why I would like to talk about it. It's good to bring those things to light and just have an opinion about them. Again, she loves it. She loves what she does, the people she reaches, and the voice that she has. It sounds like you do very well with combining your personal and your business. What is the hardest thing about being your brand? Definitely self-doubt, just questioning whether I'm doing enough, whether I'm on the right path, if there's more that I should be doing, if I should be waking up earlier. It's all in my own head. And even as somebody who is confident and proud of what I've achieved, I still talk down to myself more than I should. So that's definitely been hard just being my own boss and not really having anybody to keep me accountable except for me. So that's been challenging, but it's also a learning curve and I love it. And I'd rather be doing this every day than going back to my insurance job. Self-doubt seems to plague all of us, even if you have 85K followers on Instagram, like Beverly does, which actually is rather encouraging. It goes to show that self-doubt doesn't have to undermine your success. People like to hear that you don't have it all together. It's relatable, which is the whole point of being a social media influencer. Relatability. The biggest tip I would give that has helped me is just staying authentic and 
I think especially on social media, you see all these people who are doing so well, especially in the fitness and fashion industry. It's just a girl will post a photo of themselves with like a line that means nothing or does not inspire, does not benefit anybody. But by staying authentic to who you are and being vulnerable and writing things that mean something, that is such a big part of my brand. And that is how I've been able to build it up and keep it growing because I'm able to reach people who have the same troubles and same vulnerabilities as I do. So that's been a big thing. And then just figuring out like what you like to do. I love working out. I love putting together workouts. I love running events. So that just made so much sense to me to kind of take all those things together and bring people together and try to make a brand out of it. This episode was a pretty interesting one to produce. To be honest, I don't really follow specific personalities like social media influencers. But in researching this topic, I spent hours learning about people's personal lives on mass media outlets. And something that I noticed? You become pretty invested. Like you feel like you know these people and you also kind of feel known by them. Not because they know your name, but because you can relate to their story and they just seem to get it, which makes you feel like they get you. This is what makes someone a successful social media influencer, a person who can make others feel known and a part of a community. Think about mommy bloggers, for example. They're popular because motherhood is hard, and you don't feel alone in it if you can follow others who write honestly about it. There's a very specific relatability there. So let's bring this back around to being a small business owner. If you have the energy to build your social media following, this inevitably benefits your business by building your client base. And it can also bring in other revenues of income because being a social media influencer pays. And the best way to become an influencer is to understand the culture of social media. It's not about becoming a celebrity. That makes you unattainable. It's about creating a community that feels known and understood. It's natural to desire popularity, but the definition of popularity looks pretty different than what it used to. Vulnerability and relatability are now the characteristics of a popular personal brand, not being an elitist like what popularity meant in high school. Pretty much every article I read on becoming the influencer had one tip in common, authenticity. We're living in a culture where people are no longer happy with the us and them mentality, being untouchable. Social media has broken down that barrier, and understanding that is the first step to building a solid social media presence. But authenticity isn't reserved for just social media influencers. Even if you're not on social media, technically, you're still your own brand. Your brand might not be publicized, but you represent yourself and your name means something. It goes back to the question that Jeremy Bailey posed. What do you stand for? Not only should you know the answer to this, but your clients, your customers, your employees, they should know what you stand for as well. So if you're interested in building your personal brand, whether or not you publicize it, you should have an answer to this question. The best way for others to know what you stand for is if you know yourself. If you guys like this video, please subscribe and give it a thumbs up. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Hopefully you can take some of these tips along with you. And thanks so much for watching. We recently hosted an event in Atlanta, and I got the pleasure of speaking with some amazing entrepreneurs. So we thought, why not feature a few for center stage?
Hello, my name is Christopher Jones, and I am a creative director and visual designer. And my biggest challenge that I face has been consistent cash flow in between projects. But what I'm most proud of is that I've been able to acquire some national clients and have work that's been pretty far outside of where I actually live and reside. So I'm proud of that work. People can connect with me on Instagram. I'm at C Jones Work. That's S-E-E-J-O-N-E-S-W-O-R-K. If you'd like to be featured for Center Stage, there's a link on our website where you can record an introduction. Just go to freshbooks.com slash podcast. I Make a Living was brought to you by FreshBooks, the number one cloud accounting solution for small business owners and their teams. To learn more or get an exclusive offer, go to freshbooks.com slash podcast. If you want to attend an event, go to freshbooks.com slash events. A big thanks to Zoe Masters, Jeremy Bailey, and Beverly Chang. If you'd like to know more about them and follow them on social media, head on over to our show notes. This podcast was made possible because of audio engineering and music composition by James Morris, co-production and direction by Paco Arismendi, and I'm Darby Masters. Thanks for listening to I Make a Living. <laughs>